There it is. It took a second. Uh, we will rock you, Queen. John McCaskill's song, his walkout song. <laughs> you ready to step to the plate? Do it. All right, we're going to let that rock a little in the back. Uh, episode 116 of Bono's Health. Here we are, joined by John McCaskill. I always mess that up. John, Mc John <laughs> McCaskill. Um, and he's only a few hours away from me in Colorado Springs. I'm in Superior, Colorado. I believe it's about an hour and a half. I believe if we were to drive, no traffic. Um, and we got it. We got to link up soon in person. That's right. I just missed you when I connected with our mutual uh, connection there, Teresa Larson. You were, you ended up going to the FBI training like like sure a day or two later, right? So I just yeah. missed you. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about a men talking mindfulness. Uh, John is a co-host with uh, your co-host Will, Will Schneider. He's in yeah. New York City, where I'm from. So all sorts of connections and intertwinings um so fun stuff so tell us uh and john i, I gotta introduce you as a retired navy seal because that's kind of a big part of your story and i'll steal your um elevator pitch of your podcast is what happens when a navy seal uh and a hippie kind of connect and, and <laughs> that's what we get is men talking mindfulness so right. uh yeah thanks thanks for being here and uh excited tell, tell us a little bit about uh season five of men talking mindfulness Oh man, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy that we're at season five. We do do uh, two seasons a year, so we do a, a basically a spring season and a, and a fall season. Um, and season five has been nothing but phenomenal thus far. We've had um, Dr. Jim Doty, the author of Into the Magic Shop. We've had um, other folks coming on talking about. Uh, you know, health Stephen and wellness. Kotler was an awesome we one. did have Kotler. Yep. Uh, Kotler was fantastic. Um, last season, we had a lot coming on to talk about um, hydration, which I know you're a big fan of. Uh, my we all should... now, guys. <laughs> Use my uh, link in the description show notes below there you go. for your there free you go. samples. Just pay for shipping. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, nice plug. Um, yeah, man. So uh, this we've got some great guests coming on. Um, it, it, I do have several uh, SEAL buddies who have been on, so it looks as though I'm just having SEALs on the show. That is not the case. It's just, <laughs> it's just fallen out that way this particular season that we've had two or three in a row, and uh, and we're going to have another one later this season. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's just started as myself and my co-host Will Schneider jumping on Instagram live initially. And it's grown since then to a, a fairly successful podcast. I mean, we're not measuring ourselves against uh, anybody like Joe Rogan or mm. Tim Ferriss, but yeah, we have a lot of fun on the show yeah. and, and the guests that we bring on share a wealth of knowledge. And, uh, and then there's a few that Will and I do on our own where we just do a lot of research prior to the episode and we just wrap on the show. It's, it's a lot of fun, men talking mindfulness. Yeah, and the fun, the fun definitely comes across. I really enjoy um, – I, I usually listen to it, but obviously I dove in deep for uh, preparing for this episode. And to your point, too, I'm looking back at my most recent episodes. This is 116. I have 115 was, was a military person, 114 was a military person, and then 110 was a military person. Uh, I'm not going to go too far back, but yeah, I know, I know I got a lot of, a lot of military guys. I think 107 was a military guy too. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I, a, I'm going too far back. Um, there's a joke about that. Uh, I think it's something to the effect of how do you get a military man to talk about himself? 
get them on a podcast. There you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a very modern joke. Very yeah, modern it joke. is. It is. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and again, you have a pretty incredible story. Um, I, I would think a lot of folks um, listening here are civilians. And, and uh, before I proceed, I did want to just throw out there again, uh, you know, a big thanks to you and, and all the, the folks in the military. Again, like I said, I, you know, we, we have them on the show from time to time. And, and it's always a great thing. It's something I've always uh, just admired and, and been fascinated by it. But I, you know, to, to, I, I, it never feels like enough. It feels cliche to just say, thank you for your service. But you know, that's, that's kind of uh, the least we can do. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, but I'll also tell you that, that serving was an honor and a privilege. And I know that sounds cliche too, but I, I had a lot of fun serving and I served right next to some of this, some of the best this country has to offer. Um, and then, that includes my wife. I, I got to serve with my wife at the same team and, and that's where we met one another. So I have a, a lot of good things to say about my military time and very thankful for that service myself, the, the opportunity to serve. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And, and uh, for anyone listening, we are also, uh, we're going to share the, the deep dark secrets here. We're in the whoop group. That's right. Uh, that our, our uh, Teresa Larson there got us connected in there and uh some some interesting stories about about john getting thrown into the, our little <laughs> chat there um and i still don't know who this it was a dale uh for anyone isn't familiar with the whoop the maximum score you can get is 21.0 and even if you ran like for 24 hours in a row you don't even get a 21.0 um <laughs> people have done this and and this guy dale i think last week uh averaged a strain average strain was 19.9 which is like, yeah. How do you, I don't I don't think I've ever even gone above like a seventeen in a day. Like, and I'm a pretty active dude. I mean, I don't do as much as much cardio, but yeah, that's that's mind boggling. What? And there's some other people you guys got in there. It feels like, what's the point? What's the point of competing? Isn't it, <laughs> yeah, I've started getting to the point where I try to compete on the recovery and the and the sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I had I had brain. a few weeks where I I, I kind of won on some of those. <laughs> And for the, the the one that does it doesn't show you for the month and and that really bothered me because I think in in August or something or maybe maybe July I was like it was day like thirty of the month and I'm like I'm gonna make it I'm gonna win and then it doesn't even say yeah it, it uh, acknowledges the weekly the winners yeah but not the monthly winners I was gonna be like, I want I want my trophy my fake little <laughs> you know message trophy um, speaking of all that uh, I did want to just quickly shout out another cool thing you have going on in two weeks from now of recording this we're in October October third. Recording this, you're doing a half Ironman competition, uh, Navy SEAL versus, is he an Army Ranger or just Army? Uh, he is an Ar Army Artillery Officer, retired okay. Army uh, Artillery Officer. There you go. And that's raising money for uh, Warrior Rising, a charity. Right. Um, so if you want, if we'll try to get that link somewhere below as well. So anyone here can, can donate to that. Um, very cool to, to have been following that. How's the training going for that? You feeling confident going into that? I am feeling confident. I, I will admit I'm uh, I'm tired. Uh, it, it takes time. I've got three little ones and I'm an entrepreneur. So my day was uh, pretty maxed as it was. And then adding, you know, between one to five hours, depending on the day and depending on what's required for the race, um, it, it takes a lot of training. Um, so I'm ready to go back to something uh, more... I don't want to say normal because then that, that, that may offend some of your listeners. Manageable. I, 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 manageable. I, yeah, yeah manageable. exactly. Something more manageable. Yeah. I'll tell you real quick. My, uh, I, I wasn't an, a triathlete, I should say. Uh, I did a bunch of sprints and Olympic distance. I signed up for one half Ironman out in Montauk, Long Island. And I got out there in my ride. And this is one of the things for anyone who's ever lived in New York City. 
to have your bike and all your stuff for triathlon, you need like, you know, 700 bags. Um, it's a lot of stuff that you leave in the transition area. So to, to take Metro North and a train, uh, cause you tend not to have a car. So I was able to get someone with a car, but then they had like an emergency thing. So I was like, I guess I have to switch to Olympic distance. I can't do the half Ironman. Oh, darn. That was my one time to do half Ironman. But shortly after that, they did the first ever New York city Ironman that only lasted, I think one or two years. Uh, I think it actually only lasted that one year. Uh, cause it was the most expensive Ironman in the world for mm. registration. I think it was like $1,200 or something. Wow. Um, one of the volunteers from the first one get, got, gave me their spot for the next year. So I did sign up. I went and I signed up for the full New York city Ironman. Um, and it was like $1,200. And as soon as I did it, and at the time I didn't have kids, I didn't, you know, I wasn't super busy with work. I, I had a pretty flexible life and I was like, just realizing, holy shit, I need to train like four hours a day right. for this thing, even though I have like a year. Luckily, they canceled it like the next day, <laughs> gave me a full refund because there were so many complaints um, and logistical nightmares. Even though it was the, <clears throat> the New York City Triathlon or Ironman, uh, there were just so many crazy things because it went over the George Washington Bridge and part oh, of New yeah. Jersey. And uh, it was just so difficult to set up in New York City and, and even New Jersey is just an animal of a logistical nightmare. So luckily for me, uh, <laughs> I, I felt pretty relieved to be like, I don't have to commit four hours like a day to, to train for this thing. Right. So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Again, I still uh, I still train a little bit myself uh, with the swimming and I try to just I'll, I'll run an hour and be like, I can still do that. I can keep going for like two, three hours. It's fine. Yeah um so that's kind of <laughs> where i'm at and you're 44 so i'm, I'm very curious um and you, you said you used to do uh ironmans or, or just triathlons I've, I've done a half ironman in the past but it was when i was you know much younger and in a different uh standard of fitness <laughs> yeah um i still consider myself in a decent shape for for being a uh, you know father of young kids and again an entrepreneur and um but not where i was at one point so, it's, not, it's not dad bod. You're not dad yeah, bod. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is uh, Andy, my buddy that I'm racing against? He, he says it's not dad bod. It's a father figure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Or the old joke is like uh, rounds a shape. I'm not that's a joke, right. but rounds a shape or whatever. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I do want to ask you real quick. Uh, you know, you don't have to speak for the entire military, but uh, some stuff that's come out recently is how uh, many folks are not able to even pass the basic physical requirements these days of what the military requires um, through all the branches, I think. And I'm sure each branch has a slightly different take on it. Um, so I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on the, just the physical demands before we get into the, the mental demands, which uh, sure. that's going to be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I haven't kept tabs on what the, the physical demands are since I retired two years ago. So I retired in August of 2020. Um, I do know just before I was getting out, they were starting to transition the the Navy's physical fitness assessment, the PFA, which was it used to be called the physical readiness test, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, they they took the sit-ups out of it and mm -hmm. had started to put the plank into it. Uh, I'm not sure how that went over because um, I got out just as COVID, you know, was starting to peak and they had nixed the pfa for the spring of 2020 and and then i got out so i'm not sure how that is going over i honestly haven't kept tabs on it but i will say that um the there's a lot more sitting around 
in the military than there used to be. And I, and I don't necessarily say that in a bad way. There's a lot more sitting at a desk, a lot more administrative from when I first came into the military, it was the more senior folks who spent a lot more time on computers and emails. Now everyone is expected to be on email and on their computer. So I think it's almost like, uh, the, the cross-section of society writ large, if you look at society writ large, we, we've all gotten in worse shape because most of us spend more time in front of our computers, phones, screens, in our cars than we used to 20, 30 years ago. And um, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the military's fault. It is just the, the way of things being in the, the way they are in society. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that they're right either. It, People need to take ownership. And even if you have a job where you sit at a desk all day, which, you know, I, I do a lot these days, but I'm still able to train for a half Ironman. If, if you make it a priority, you can stay in shape. If you make it a priority, you can eat well, you know, make your meals beforehand. You can actually set yourself up for success in a in an environment that is more difficult to succeed. But you just have to set yourself up mentally to to be successful physically yeah and i just had rob wolf on if you're familiar with him kind of formerly the paleo guy in, mm -hmm. in the world and uh he's kind of moved away from that and he was the keto guy also at some point but <laughs> he's actually the founder of drink elementi another plug hit my link nice. down below. um <laughs> but uh but the the quote i will attribute to him uh from his book i believe wired to eat or i've heard him say a few times is it's not your fault that you're out of shape or, or whatever, like his whole book wired to eat is saying how we are like fighting this modern life. Uh, but yeah. it is your responsibility to your point. So that's where I think again, um, whether we want to call it personal responsibility, I think there's some political things around there, uh, whatever we want to call libertarianism at that point. I don't know, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Um, and I have to, to say that to a lot of clients, uh, when they start, you know, um, coming back at me with, with like, oh, but this is difficult or, or it's not, yeah, again, you know, trying to put blame on things. And I, I think that takes us into kind of this whole concept of mindfulness. Um, and again, I just finished listening to one of your, your podcasts where um, you, you describe really in depth, and I'll try to have that link below as well, of, of Operation Red Wings, which a lot of people are going to know uh, from the movie Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg. Right. <laughs> and anyone in the CrossFit space probably knows uh, because of the workout Murph, uh, which right. is uh, done every Memorial Day uh, in the CrossFit space, pretty much in every CrossFit gym, box, whatever you want to call it, around the world. Um, I've certainly done that workout quite a few times in my life. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, named after Lieutenant Michael Murphy, uh, who was uh, featured in that movie. Um, and it was pretty crazy hearing your story. And I, you know, I don't want to take your words out of your mouth, but in terms of the fact that you kind of felt like you were supposed to be one of the guys there. Um, and, and the fact that you were like, I have a bad feeling about this. Right. Uh, I lost star Wars. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you, you ended up uh, kind of still being a part of that mission, but uh, you know, there's definitely a lot there. And then you talk about, and I, I, I'll, I'll throw it back to you after this, but uh, of how kind of dealing with, with kind of the trauma from that led to uh, along with the whole uh, situation with your, your brother-in-law um, <laughs> with uh and, and, and kind of learning from that, how that ultimately led you to say kind of to, to the mindfulness space and be, yeah. be becoming a Navy SEAL hippie, if you will. But, you know, <laughs> it's a pretty cool story. Um, I just wanted to give it like a quick 
30 second uh, elevator pitch because I feel like you've told that story so many times and folks can go check out his podcast as well, where you guys talk about that. Um, but yeah, that I'd love to hear a little bit um, of your, your take on it without, you know, I don't, I just didn't want you to go through all the. Yeah, no, I appreciate the ins it. And outs. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, yeah. It, you covered a good bit of it there. Red wings operation. Red wings was in June of 2005 um, in Afghanistan it is covered in the book and the movie Lone Survivor. Uh, but the the long and the short of it is we sent a reconnaissance element out to observe a target for between 24 and 72 hours. The reconnaissance element was compromised by some goat herders. There was an ethical dilemma on what to do with these goat herders. Should we let them go? Well, that's a tough one because they may go tell the, the villagers down below what's happening. Should we kill them? Well, you can't really do that because they're not they're non-combatants. They are non-combatants. And uh, should we tie them up? You can't really do that because they're most likely going to end up dying anyway, or they're going to be seen as missing, and then they may send out a search party from the village. So really the only answer that it could do, only thing that they really could do was let them go. And, of course, they went straight down the hill and tell the villagers what's happening, that there's quote-unquote soldiers up on the hill. And they, uh, they sent up uh, the, the Taliban fighters and end up engaging the, the reconnaissance element. Three of the four end up dying, including Michael Murphy. Marcus Luttrell was the, the lone survivor, Matt Axelson and Danny Dietz were the other two that were killed on that ground element. And then they called for support and a quick reaction force responded. And the first helicopter of that quick reaction force was shot down and lost another 16 men in that, that uh, helicopter, both, um, Army Night Stalkers from the 160th Special Operations Air Regiment and the and Navy SEALs. And um, coming back to your comment that I had pushed back against that mission quite, quite vehemently and was uh, told that I wasn't going to be on it. And um, then all hell bro- broke loose and went to hell in a handbasket. And... Um, you know, that, that caused me a lot of depression and anxiety and stress and survivor's guilt and imposter syndrome and whatever else. And uh, I self-medicated with with alcohol and, and prescription medication and then ended up um, going to a much darker place in my life. And finally, a counselor recommended meditation to me. And, and uh, again, the, the long story short is that actually saved my life. The, the the meditation allowed me to process a lot of what I've been carrying with me and allowed me to um, unload a lot of that. So the, the proverbial pack that I'd been carrying, I was able to set down and leave it behind or at least lighten the load. Um, so I, I feel that meditation not only changed my life for the better, but literally saved my life. And uh, as you've probably heard me say on my podcast, uh, I feel that it's an obligation now to pay it forward to anyone who will listen. So that's why I teach meditation. And that's why I have the show mindfulness, men talking mindfulness. Um, and uh, really that's why I, I talk about it as often as I do, because I think if I can save one other person, then it's, it's worth me doing this quote unquote hippie stuff. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all that. And um yeah, in terms of, of the mindfulness practice, again, I think, uh, you know, if people are on the fence about it, uh, if they've tried it and it's like, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. And, and there's I think I heard you uh, kind of allude to it or kind of the famous saying is uh, if you don't have, you know, 
five minutes to meditate, you need to take an hour to meditate or, or whatever that saying right. is, is like, yep. uh, the, the more you think you don't need it, the more you probably do need it. And, and right. um, obviously there's tons of research coming out, um, about the physiological benefits of truly practicing that. And, uh, just, just kind of going into it real quick, uh, do you want to go into a little bit of which type of meditation transcendental or yeah. there's, there's all these different Sure. Uh, types uh if you want to go into a little bit of what you, you you practice or preach or just i think i also again don't want to put words in your mouth but just get started with anything <laughs> whatever yeah, works right. for you yeah absolutely i think experimentation with mindfulness or and or meditation is is imperative so you know going back to the doctor who recommended it to me i i thought that I could jump right into an hour long meditation and it didn't <laughs> last more than about 17 seconds and, right. and, uh, and then got very frustrated. And I went back and I spoke to him and told him that the, the meditation was a bunch of baloney. And then, uh, and then he asked me what I'd been doing and he kind of showed me how I could start in a different way. You know, I didn't have to start with an hour long meditation. I could focus on my breath for two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a mindfulness meditation where you're focused on an anchor such as your breath. Um, the transcendental meditations work for some people if they have a mantra that they want to use, you know, a mantra that they're able to focus on. That's their anchor. Whatever you use, whether it's a mantra, whether it's your breath, whether it's a body scan, whether it's uh, we did a, a retreat recently and we lit a candle and we allowed people to just keep their eyes open and looked at the flame. And that was their focus point. If you're able to focus on something, then you're going to be successful. Now, mindfulness and meditation are often used interchangeably, and they're not necessarily the same thing. There are such things as mindfulness meditations. Again, that's kind of what I was talking through. But you can also be mindful in your everyday conversation with friends, with family. You can be mindful as you're driving to and from work. You can be mindful when you sit down and eat a meal. That's being mindful. Mindfulness is really nothing more than paying attention to the here and now, the physical and the emotional without any judgment. That's mindfulness. And you can live mindfully. You don't have to meditate. Now, yeah. as you live mindfully, meditation is going to come more naturally. And as you meditate, mindfulness or living mindfully is going to become more, uh, more natural. Yeah. And that's a great way to, to I think, think about it. Um, and my wife and I actually taught, uh, she's a sex and relationship therapist. So on the relationship side, we would work with healthy couples and we did a little, um, course where I would teach them some physical stuff they can do together, uh, in terms of like smashing, uh, you know, partner mashing <laughs> and, and massage yeah. kind of, uh, each other and, and kind of from a Kelly star, kind of place, if you're familiar with him and, yeah. uh, well, and Teresa Larson, who, who, yep. 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 And, and she taught with him and all that, but, um, and then on, on the, kind of mindfulness side, the relationship side, the mental side that my wife covered, we would bring in, uh, you know, fruits and things like that. And we would have the couples kind of share a, a strawberry and, and just, again, what do you, what are the tastes? What mm -hmm. are the sensations? And, and that kind of stuff to slow it down. So really simple stuff that again, we all, we generally eat three meals a day <laughs> and we probably never, never at all, you know, again, that, that's a problem with our society, whether you're doing it when you're watching TV or just all these different things you can do yeah. to change um, how your body even digests. And, and, you know, uh, some people say, Hey, make sure you chew every bite 20 times or right. whatever the little change is. There's all sorts of cool ways we can incorporate this stuff into life. And, uh, that's something I incorporate as well into my physical therapy practice. Uh, everyone I work with and 
having worked for a long time now, I'm not going to say how old I am, although I've mentioned it many times, but uh, catching up to you. I'm going to catch up to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, John's 44. I'm 38, but I'm, uh, I'm almost 39. It's fine. I'm actually um, 45. Oh, uh, four, yeah. that must have been. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking when, when, when I did my research, I'm like, it's very possible that was going to happen. And there we are. I was, I was wrong. Oh, uh, good. Should, should have double checked it. So 45 <laughs> years old. Um, but the big thing in my physical therapy practice, I was saying is, uh, ni- over 90% of people I have assessed breathe what I would call incorrectly. Sure. Um, just the mechanics of it and not even being able to access their diaphragm and get into the belly breathing. And so I almost think of breath work, and just that kind of exercise, whether it's crocodile breathing, which is a fun one when you lay face down, um, or any version of breath work, even just nasal breathing, um, and just focusing on that, I th- always think of that as an intro to meditation. And as people get a little more com- comfortable with it and confident with it, I kind of tell them like, hey, if meditation is something you've been thinking about, or you've tried before and failed with, um, or, you know, how people think about it, um, I say that this is now that we're doing this breath work. Um, I think it's, it's a nice gateway drug, so to speak, uh, to, to get you like into that. this kind of meditative state. Um, and, and one thing I'll throw out to folks uh, is, you know, A, what, what are we trying to battle? Racing minds, right? And, and just living in this modern world. Um, all these little tools, like we're saying, is when you're, when you're eating, just focus on eating. Turn, no, no distractions. Turn your phone off. No TV, all that stuff. Um, but going back, you know, our natural ways of things that we figure out as, as humans is, you know, people would count sheep to go to sleep. And that was right. to distract them from the racing minds and also just enough of that repetitiveness. And you, as you count sheep, you're not counting one, two, three, four, five, you're counting like one sheep, two sheep. And as you right. guys do your, um, your kind of intro and, and outro, uh, breath work, um, or practice, I, I don't want to, uh, get the name wrong, but, uh, you know, it, it is kind of that, that concept there. And again, even looking at religion, uh, you know, there's a lot of chanting. There is a lot of kind of even singing together as a group. Um, in a lot of kind of church environments, um, that a lot of that ritual has to do with the physiology of right. kind of taking you out of that uh, overly excited state. And, and it just is an easy way that we've known for so long. Um, you know, the monks do it. Uh, every every kind of it's all there. <laughs> and we're just trying to figure out how to take it from these kind of what seems like these kind of weird parts of the world um, <laughs> to some of us in the modern world. And it's like, how do we integrate that? And like you said, are we hippies because we, we focus on our breathing? Maybe. And I think we have to be okay with that. And, and uh, so, but yeah, I really appreciate that. Again, uh, the way you guys talk about it is, is phenomenal. So uh, I did want to ask, is, is it the men talking mindfulness? Obviously, you guys are two guys, but uh, have you found that you mostly have male listeners because of that? Yeah, it is uh, about 70% of our audience mm. is men, um, or at least identify that way. Um, but we, we do have, uh, several women that have, uh, admitted that they listen and we see <laughs> the, and we see the analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and we also have men and women on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is called men talking mindfulness because of how it originated. It literally was just myself and will talking to one another about meditation, uh, about mindfulness. And then then uh, we grew from there and we wanted to bring it to more than just men. Now, we do still uh, try to bring it to men, uh, primarily because um, men are stubborn and Mm. they don't um, accept these practices as readily as most women. And uh, and we feel that if we are able to bring it to men in a 
non-threatening way, um, then they're more likely going to actually take it on and, and start practicing. Um, so it's, it is still men talking mindfulness. It is still primarily for men, but we also address topics that are for all genders. So uh, it's, uh, we think it's important that everyone listens for, uh, you know, men and those who love them. So that's everyone. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I've, I've, uh, I don't know how you feel. And again, I, I, I'm sure you've talked about it in, in a previous episode. Uh, it wasn't in my most recent episodes I've listened to, but the concept of men's groups. Uh, and again, I've, I belong to one and I just, uh, I'm in the process of switching to a different one, um, for various reasons. But, uh, I've had, uh, Dan Doty, who was one of the founders of every man, uh, without the second E, I, they had to spell it differently for whatever website or copyright stuff. Um, and then um, Lee Povey, uh, who has uh, Maximize Your Potential is his, is his organization. But yeah, they both uh, have been on this podcast and talked about that and, and the concept of men's groups. So I don't know how you feel about men's groups. Uh, if that's something, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys have covered it. Uh, I just wanted to throw it back at you on that. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we... We haven't covered men's groups specifically on the show. We're mm -hmm. just covered being part of, of some type of group, um, whether that's for accountability. I mean, like our whoop group, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. have that whoop group going and, and we hold one another accountable to make sure that we're working out or, you know, if the strain isn't where it should be or the recovery isn't where it should be. That's an accountability group. Um, there's there's importance to belonging to that. It's not, and it's not just social importance. It's physiological, mental, spiritual. Uh, it's all tied in to, to belonging to some type of tribe. Mm -hmm. um, now, that said, I am uh, tied to several men's groups, just small little mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, it we've never identified, hey, look, this is just for men. We've never mm -hmm. said that. It's just that's how it's played out. We've, we've got, you know, several text groups that I'm a part of where we support one another and share workouts, share, you know, books that we're reading, those types of things. Um, so that we hold one another accountable for, again, the physical side, but also mental, spiritual, those other sides of being a human being. And again, it, it's just naturally kind of fallen out that those two groups that I'm a part of are all men, but mm -hmm. it's not by design. I'll, yeah, I, I won't. I won't judge on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the other thing I wanted to make sure we touched on uh, is the fact that in your story of how meditation kind of saved your life is it got you off of all your medications that the system kind of puts you onto, um, and and again that medication path generally does not lead to great places. Um, I just had uh, one of my old CrossFit competitor teammates, uh, Brooke Seam, who published a book called May Cause Side Effects about getting put on antidepressants at the age of 15. Mm -hmm. And at the age of 30, she kind of went on this journey of getting off of them. And so a lot of people do get put on medications to deal with the symptoms at hand um, and very few plans of dealing with the root cause, which is what it sounds right. like you kind of had to address. So um, it's one of the big messages I talk about in, in kind of my lifestyle coaching, health coaching, physical therapy stuff of I want you to get off of any medication you're on now. And I also want to make sure we don't get in a situation where, you know, most humans, um, especially in America, uh, are going to be on a number of medications by the time they're uh, every year that goes by, the, the chances are increased. Um, and the last statistic I'll throw out uh, is I believe uh, it's worse now, but maybe back in right before COVID um, only 11% of 
Americans were considered meta uh, metabolically healthy based on five different metrics wow. of generally accepted um, health. So the other way to say that is 89% of Americans are not. metabolically unhealthy. So uh, kind of going back to that concept of, uh, you know, we, we asked about the, the, the military entrance exams for physical capacity and things like that. So there's definitely problems there. I think it's, they're all well recognized and, and there's many different ways we can go there. But I want to come back to, yeah, coming off meds, um, if you can talk a little bit about that concept. And when I, when I had Brooke on, um, I didn't want to just say, hey, couldn't you breathe it out? Um, you know, to get off the meds, but, you know, she talks about her journey. Her book is, is very, um, she's an excellent author. Uh, her book is very, very, um, uh, easy to read. It's a very quick read. She's, she's an excellent, excellent author. I highly recommend it for anyone who has anyone going through, uh, or is on antidepressants or considering going on antidepressants or getting off of them. Um, it's a very, very important, I think, book to get, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about your, uh, use of mindfulness to get off of your medications. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was on various forms of both anti-anxiety and antidepressants and um, trying to remember exactly what I was on when I started meditating because I'd gone through the various, you name it, I, was, I had been on it. Um, so when I met with the counselor, he, he acknowledged that I'd been on them for too long because yeah. like you said, it's kind of, hey, it's the easy button one and yeah. there are times when they can be positively uh effective um, but the long run for most of them it's they're not supposed to be used for for life right and he acknowledged that i'd been on them for too long and he said let's let's try to get you off of them and my anxiety instantly spiked because <laughs> i was now now i was being told that i was going to come off of these meds and i've also heard the horror stories of coming mm. off of anti-anxiety antidepressants right you're supposed to wean yourself off some of it's really difficult um but and I'll, I'll just jump in real quick about brooke's story she she goes pretty in depth uh, as best she can of her experience of how certain medications do stay in your body a lot longer because right. of the half-life half uh of of it so some of them uh you know affected her for months as right. She tried to wean, wean off, but, uh, and, and, you know, she, there was definitely some mismanagement of that. And again, just real quick from, from the systemic piece that I wanted to highlight is the fact that again, when you're getting put on these, there is very rarely a plan of let's try this for two months. And if it, you know, then we can, uh, they'll just say adjust the dosage, I guess. But, but in terms of the goal is to get you off, um, right. by a certain time and, and not just have you on again, she was on it for over 15 years, her, her whole like adult life. Um, so that, and it was a tough decision uh, for her to get off. So, uh, so sorry, back to you. No, you're good. Um, yeah. So what, uh, what he recommended was that I do wean myself off and it was going to be under his kind of guidance. So I continued to go back to him every week and check in with him and let him know how the meditation was going. And as I spent more time with him, I was able to see the effects of the meditation and then he would say okay well are you comfortable with me changing the dosage and this time changing the dosage didn't mean increasing but rather reducing and then then he re recommended again coming back to your half-life okay rather than taking it every day let's take it every two days because mm -hmm. uh, you know this, this particular medication that i was on where the the half-life it it wouldn't affect you if you were off of it for two days and so then we gradually weaned me off that way and now I'm not on anything. And it, as far as antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication, I actually feel better because of that. And the, the anxiety, I can still have anxiety. I can still have depressing episodes, 
but I don't feel that I'm a depressed person or an anxious person. I believe that the episodes don't define me. Now, the, the uh, medication did help with those episodes, but it also killed any sense of joy, mm-hmm. killed any sense of uh, uh, desire, whether that's romantic desire or desire to progress in my life. I just felt like I was kind of this empty shell of a person uh, that I had been before and no longer truly John McCaskill. So the the medication, it helped to a point, but I think ultimately it caused more problems than it solved. And I believe that meditation with the T, meditation with the T, <laughs> is, uh, is better in addressing those problems, those root causes, and then helping me to process the depression, the depressing episodes or anxiety inducing episodes. Yeah. And, uh, another one of my podcasts that I, I don't mean to just keep using my podcast as reference points, but I kind of, I'm, I'm pretty proud of some of the guests I've had on. And, uh, it's a organization nonprofit up in Maine called, uh, physiology first. And, uh, they, he, I'll give him credit there. Uh, David Bidler, um, of, we want to focus on skills over pills and they're actually Mm. kind of attacking this at the upstream level, if you will, in the high schools where everyone's getting ADHD diagnoses and getting put on ADHD medications. Um, And so skills over pills is they literally teach people how to breathe. Um, And I'm sure a lot, a lot of people are much more familiar with Andrew Huberman now, Huberman lab, uh, who's a neuroscientist scientist uh out of stanford university he's got a very cool uh podcast channel um and so he talks about it and i heard him he was the first one i I heard say this was before you give a driver's license to a kid um maybe you should give them a breathing license like they need Mm -hmm. to pass this competency of being able to breathe and control your own physiology so that when someone cuts you off in traffic and again i've heard you talk about a recent story where you know your car uh your wife's car was stolen uh, was it uh, (laughs) a bumblebee yeah. Um, and, and just that ability to say like, you know, again, all the cliches of like Wusa, um, <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, yeah, like having the right mindset of a, either someone cuts me off in traffic. And, and again, you, you displayed, I think some of that, um, uh, whether we were going to want to call it empathy or just evolved thinking or whatever it yeah. is of like, you didn't even want to press charges because because they're like, yeah, these guys are just, you know, they kind of went the wrong path. And right. and I feel bad for them. And and I want to do something to help them out and not just, you know, put them into the system. That's probably not going to serve them um, the same way. So that ability to think in those situations. And again, I heard you guys talk about it. Uh, the Buddhist principle of separating stimulus from response um, right. and really being able to, to shut down our lizard brain, reptilian brain to think a little higher level um, through some of these concepts and like, what is, what's the real impact here? Again, when someone cuts me off, I can, I can be angry. I can, I can punch a wall or whatever, you know, stuff that you're talking about. Uh, uh, or I can say, Hey, like maybe they're having a bad day. Like maybe, right. maybe right. their wife's going into labor, whatever the thing is, but being able to, to separate that is such a powerful tool. I mean, it's definitely been one of my greatest skills that I, you know, I, I think we all will always have to continue to work on all that stuff. Cause um, for sure. and, and, and that's kind of my last question for you is um, I'm, I'm having our first kiddo. Uh, in a few weeks. <laughs> so I know you are father of three, three, yeah, three. So, um, and uh, one of my, my old sensei from uh, when I was growing up uh, just chimed in that his daughter has anxiety attacks occasionally. And they actually realized that caffeine was the culprit. Um, and that, that is something that uh, a lot of, again, humans just use, uh, we're very bad at self-soothing. And, and again, as you alluded to in your many stories of, you know, relying on alcohol, 
again, medications, caffeine being being overly done, and we rely on these things rather than saying like, hey, like, who am I on my own without right. all this stuff? Um, so my last question, I think, for you, and I want to be respectful of your time, is uh, about parenting uh, and and just you know, I, I guess at this point, uh, I'm asking for all the parenting advice I can get because I hear <laughs> it's quite a journey. So uh, I'm going to ask for your best possible father advice, parenting advice, um, whatever it is. And you have a scary story uh, as well. I mean, again, I, I don't want to keep telling all yeah. your, your stories about your daughter having uh, a tumor in the womb um, and, and just feeling helpless in those situations. So definitely, like, I, I appreciate you sharing those stories and hearing these kinds of stories um, to prepare for all the all the different possibilities and just having that mindset to be able to handle some of these, uh, you know, the craziness of, of parenthood. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, what do we have? Five minutes? Um, yeah, definitely not going to fit it all in five minutes. But uh, I, I mean, you've mentioned some good ones already, you know, being able to um, breathe and teach yeah. people to breathe. That's a that's a great one. As a parent, breathing and taking a step back and not allowing that stimulus to affect the thought, the emotion and the action, um, which, you know, sometimes those stimulus stimuli are coming at you multiple at a time. Uh, from the kids um, and then teaching them to breathe when yeah. they get upset about something, taking a second and just taking them and breathing with them. I think that's a great thing. We've done that with our children and, and I know Teresa has done it with hers and yeah. we've definitely seen growth in them and we see a calming effect in them. It's uh, it's fantastic at that. And that is a tool as we've already covered in this episode, uh, that's a life lesson that they can apply later in their lives, um, whether that's later as children or later as students or later as adults, whatever, later themselves as parents. So I think that's uh, probably one of the biggest ones that gets missed quite often is, is breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I appreciate you, you sharing that and adding fuel to my fire when I talk to my wife and I'm like, hey, we got to do some breathing practice. There right you now. go. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, again, I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep keep accumulating uh, parenting advice from most of my guests, I think, are, are parents. Uh, so I got to go back and ask a few that I haven't asked when we had not yet announced things publicly. But yeah, congrats, um, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff. Um, <laughs> but, Anxiety uh, inducing stuff. Talking about, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to breathe. breathe as. <laughs> I'm going to do some box breathing as you uh, give us places where folks can reach out to you, find you and anything else uh, you want to promote. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the podcast is Men Talking Mindfulness, and that can be found on mentalkingmindfulness.com or any of the the uh, typical podcast platforms. And then you can find me uh, on johnmccaskill.com or on LinkedIn is the social media that I use mostly. Uh, and that's just, again, J-O-N McCaskill, M-A-C-A-S-K-I-L-L. -L. So love to love to connect with you, answer any questions that you may have or uh, be of service in any way. So thanks for the opportunity, Bo. Appreciate it, John. And one more time, I really do appreciate uh, the service to this country. And, you know, the fact, again, the cliche that freedom is not free um, is, is really, you know, every time I say it or, or do one of those hero workouts in CrossFit, it definitely is a is a pretty important reminder uh, of those facts. And, and you know, it's, it's just always an honor and privilege to be able to speak with someone who had the honor and privilege to serve this country. Um, <laughs> so, and I'll tell the last, the last story I'll tell uh, is, yeah, the one, the closest I was to maybe enlisting was my college freshman roommate uh, 
kind of had trouble with finance and stuff like that and decided to switch to becoming a Marine. Uh, and I went down to uh, Paris Island for his graduation and walking around the barracks and everything like that. I think the thing that got me was the bathrooms with no doors. Um, <laughs> I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, it, it is that glory on, on move in movies and TV and th things like that of like, man, that like seems like the right thing. And like, you feel that honor and everything. I don't know, but yeah, facing the reality of it is definitely a different, different story. <laughs> and um, I definitely have a lot of great friends in the military uh, active and, and former and, uh, and, and I, we didn't even say one of my favorite movies of all time uh, that I could probably quote, uh, the rest of the, the the time here is the rock and, and that was oh, yeah. one of your biggest uh influences i haven't heard that one as much uh from military folks i, I usually hear top gun and and uh and things full like that now jacket. top gun too yeah. full metal jacket uh, i hope not full metal jacket Ooh, i don't know um <laughs> <laughs> that's not one uh for anyone who knows how that ends um but yeah uh anyway we'll sign off uh hope folks got one percent better today listening to this i know i did and if you got anything out of it share it with at least one person uh don't forget to like share subscribe leave a rating review all that good stuff that helps us grow and all that signing out thank you john enjoy My your pleasure. day